Hey guys, well, we are super excited to announce that we're on CastBox now. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, and it does have all your favorite podcasts, okay? Okay, you can still listen to Dumb Gay Politics wherever you get your podcasts, but we just want you to try CastBox. And we're super excited that we're finally on CastBox because we think it's the best. So try it. Uh-huh, it's all shit, it's all just dumb gay politics America's gotten kinda whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that Cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit it's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Welcome to Dumb Gay Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in politics like we're talking about reality TV. I got more birthday gifts. <laughs> yes. It's been 10 days since my birthday, but the Patreon friends are still spoiling me. I know. It's, it's so nice. It's so, so nice. Yeah. Um, I have a card coming from Julie Lang, and okay. I'm just going to say, Julie, thank you in advance for the... Four crisp $100 bills and the diamonds <laughs> jingle jangling around in the card. Uh-huh. Um, I know that's what it is because she's one generous motherfucker. Yeah. And I cannot keep... I can't talk about my birthday anymore. So I don't even give a fuck okay. what comes in. Keanu Reeves is going to come in that card and I am not going to mention it. So Julie, I'm thanking you in advance. Um, I hate birthdays and I have to say like this probably was the best one and... and um, a long, long, long time. I mean, a long time. So that was because of the show and because of the the friends. And it was just so sweet. Angie Knox sent a package, uh, a care package. Mm-hmm. And Angie Knox, <laughs> you bitch, you are. <laughs> this is too much. She's too generous. It's uh, like it's she's crazy. She's already thoughtful. Yes. Like, I'd rather get glass jars of Czech, spicy Chex Mix mm-hmm. than like cash gifts i mean it's not cash but she got me ulta but please believe i already spent that shit i already she got me ulta gift cards and she did get us a target card which is amazing so we will go and we will be getting another diffuser yes that's it's going all to diffusers and workers Mm -hmm. and the ulta has already been spent Ange. i mean she gave me pills i love i got so much drugs i know like amazing i love drugs 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 um she got us coasters they were so cool that is such a good idea too a a great idea and believe me i need them here coasters and notepads are Mm -hmm. a great idea she gave you tea it was just a really thoughtful care package Mm -hmm. for my birthday and i felt like really cared for and it was so sweet um i love you so much angie so thank you um jennifer johnson Another like these people, they are like Jennifer Johnson. I'm talking about the the French post postal annex. 
they ordered me to come on down. Yes, and, they did. And I don't pick up the packages. You are yeah. the man. <laughs> you have a man's truck. You have a man's body. You can lift a couch over your head. And I can't be dealing with boxes. Right. And I want, you know. I know. I feel very, I've, I mean, I do feel very good about myself in the one moment when she says, are you sure you don't want some help outside? This looks very heavy. And I go, nope. And then I lift it like it's a feather. Right. And I think, wow, hmm, I did good today. And you were off in like Minnesota or oh, somewhere. Uh-huh. And please believe no one offered to help me. Andre, <laughs> he didn't offer really? to help me. No. And I was like, oh, let me get this. Weird. It's huge. I'm like, goddamn Jennifer Johnson. It was huge. Okay. And I'm like putting it into my, I'm like, I need a, I need the pickup truck. Yeah. And I had to carry it. And I like, sometimes we like to open the boxes at the plaza yes. mm-hmm. and then use the plaza trash yes. for the box. Of course and then it makes keep, it easy. Keep yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. I, I needed a full toolkit to get into this thing. <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much. She sent huge, huge framed pictures of us. The picture of mm-hmm. us that our logo comes from. Yes. And, but not the logo. Right. And oh. then, don't play. It's still my birthday and I don't want to hear it. Um, and then the picture of us in the bathtub and yeah, the bubble bath. It's great. We have so many framed things now. We do. This place is really, um, those are going to go in your bedroom, unfortunately yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my whole, uh, my whole house now is just going to be pictures of us. People are going to come in and be like, God, you really like you and Brandy. I'm like, yep, yeah, I do. you're really into your dorky podcast. <laughs> um, but Jennifer, your whole bedroom is going to be Jennifer because you're doing all That's the, right. the yes. live show posters yep. and you're mm-hmm. framing those. Yes. And Jennifer makes those for us. She's our esteemed digital artist. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. It was a over generous and beautiful, meaningful gift. And um, I really loved it and appreciated it. We got shirts from Kelsey Perkins. Kelsey Perkins is a fan from way back. Yeah. An original fan for from all the way back for you. Big A Sketch Show and your box office. She's been around and been loyal to mm-hmm. the cause and mm-hmm. she's like i gotta listen to this dumb podcast now every week for these tools uh-huh and she sent us shirts so sweet and sour patch kids which you already busted out i sure did we got a postcard from georgia and i love it because she's in a hoodie and glasses and has a scrunchie and it says happy scrunchie 19 girls <laughs> thank you from me and my boys hoagie and monty for bringing so much levity to the fuck shit trump nightmare you are heard and appreciated can't wait to have a place in the drug den georgia happy scrunchie 19 georgia you look pretty goddamn gangster with that scrunchie yeah. oh i love seeing the scrunchies i mm. love the size of the postcard yes it's a headshot we can yep. really see what georgia looks like mm-hmm. Let me see where this bitch is from. Does it say it does? <laughs> now, Georgia, we don't know where you live, so I don't know what live show we'll be seeing you at when we can recognize you. Right. But that's what these postcards are for. Yes. It's for our live show recognizability. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, guys, thank you so much. Now, we are doing a live show in Austin, aren't we, Meow Meow? February 16th, live show in Austin. You better get on there and get your tickets online because they are selling very fast. We're almost sold out. We are. Um, Leah Black, Real Housewife of Miami, Ugh. will be imparting mm-hmm. the rich Democrat mm-hmm. um, information. Yes. And love and yes. power. And glamour. That's right. And all of it. And we've got uh, Ronnie Karam yep. from Watch What Crappens. will be doing uh, Gay Guys and Their Feelings. 
Um, I mean, it is going to be star-studded. And then we have Reed Umstadt from The <clears> Voice. <throat> He's going to sing Sweet Transvestite. Ugh. He's going to really sing it. Like, for real, yeah. We are hoping and crossing our fingers that Reed puts on the lingerie. I know. Okay? Please. <laughs> We're like, Reed? Put it on. Put on a bustier, Reed. Yep. Bring your wife. Yeah. Jenna, you go ahead and put some lingerie put on, too, on my two. friend. Yeah, put it on, too. I mean, put, on put it on first. Put it on first. I want them both up there in a bustier. Ronnie says she sings like an angel. Oh, how exciting. And so we don't know, but we're excited. Georgia, you probably live in Georgia. That would be too on the nose, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, but come on out to Austin. We love to see you guys. We had a gay Republican on. We're just, you know, we're building bridges. We're building bridges. Um, we're, um, we're, what did we say? Oh, um, um, what, what was the word that we said we're going to do with him? Solutions. Oh, solutions. <laughs> solutions. Solutions. We had the gay Republican on. We got some interesting feedback from that. You know, people were really supportive. I was scared. Yeah. And um, people were really, really, really supportive. Devin Vrana, who will be at the Austin show, sent a really great message on Patreon that mm-hmm. just calmed me. Yeah. And the truth is, and we just want to say for anyone who listened and was turned off, and I'm sure there were many of you, and we thank you for not um, letting us know or sending us a message because we don't need your notes, babe. Um, we just want to say, like, we're going to we, – we're coming up. We think the new segment will be called Solutions mm-hmm. um, instead of having the segment with your period. Right, because I'm finding that that's just not – it's just not going to happen, first of all. And that's got to be reserved for racists. Yeah, that's going to definitely, we realize that's going to be reserved for the real. That's got to be real. I mean, if I'm going to yell at someone, it's going to be someone who's got nothing to offer back. Right. So, you know, if, when we're talking to people who are just conservatives or Republicans or have different opinions or whatever, but we have some common ground, there's not going to be really yelling. You know, yeah. not, I don't need to, you know. We're growing up and we're trying in 20, in scrunchy 19 to... Find solutions. Yeah, find solutions. So we're going to hopefully have him back and really get into the nitty gritty of things. And granted, you know, I'm not, we're not opposed to, and I'm certainly not opposed to a hard pushback, but I'm also got to be open to learning things too. And it might be gay Republicans and black Republicans and- Mm -hmm. And female Republicans. It's like, exactly. And I was going to say Megan McCain Republicans. That might be where the solutions lie. Right. That's where we're going to find people who truly- are socially liberal right and they're going to be fiscally you know conservative if you will we think that whole thing is bullshit but we're going to start you know bring on bring on like uh, like a black guy republican i don't Mm -hmm. know where the hell we're going to find one i don't know but we would love to talk to him and um and see and yeah and find solutions just find solutions yes that's what we want to do so if anyone was turned off we wanted to um pointlessly tell you that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it was it was by design mm, yes, you know yes yeah exactly it was by design and we, right. we fucked up by calling it julie's gonna yell at someone Julie's right on her period. but you were on your period which is what's ironic <laughs> which is what's you know? ironic is that i was but i'm gonna reserve the yelling for um someone who really deserves it okay now it's time to get to eye of the shit storm <laughs> You take some shit, put it up on the wall, check it out for a while. You take that shit up off of the wall, put it down on the floor in a glass bowl. You take some fuck, put it up on the wall where the shit used to be. This week's Eye of the Shitstorm is an actual eye of a shitstorm. It's the calm middle of the shitty tornado, otherwise known as the government shutdown. 
Yep, on Saturday, Trump finally bent over and let Speaker of the House, Nance Pelosi, give it to him good and hard, honey. After 34 days, he agreed to reopen the government for three weeks until February 15th, at which point they will sit down and hopefully come to an agreement on what money is going where as far as border security and the stupid fucking wall. Trump's speech was boring, lacked his usual comic stylings because he stuck closely to the script, which is not how we want him. No. It was so annoying. No. He did, however, manage to sound very (laughs) self-congratulatory and aggrandizing, even though the whole fucking thing was his fault in the first place. Yeah, and you called it. You called it. You knew he was going to do that. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm opening the government in a big way. I mean, it's just like, you douche. So we're going to play it. Um... For all of the people who leave their houses on Saturdays and have happy, normal lives. (laughs) We have reached a deal to end the shutdown and reopen the federal government. Wow. You're a hero. (laughs) Wow, what a president. As everyone knows, I have a very powerful alternative, but I didn't want to use it at this time. Hopefully it will be unnecessary. In a short while, I will sign a bill to open our government for three weeks until February 15th. I will make sure that all employees receive their back pay very quickly or as soon as possible. No, okay. It'll happen fast. Maybe. I am asking Senate (laughs) Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to put this proposal on the floor immediately. After 36 days of spirited debate and dialogue, I have seen and heard from enough Democrats and Republicans that they are willing to put partisanship aside, I think, and put the security of the American people first. I do believe they're going to do that. They have said they are for complete border security, And they have finally and fully acknowledged that having barriers, fencing, or walls, or whatever you want to call it, will be an important part of the solution. I can see the teleprompter in the reflection of the window. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Does he have a deviated septum, or what's going on there? I think he has an Adderalling septum Uh and a a, um, veneer septum and a dry mouth septum problem. The Adderall has inflamed the... Uh, I think he has a gingivitis problem. Yes. I think he has... Veneer's um, problem. Oh, did you already yeah, say that? Yeah, I said veneer's problem, oh, which good. probably made his gums bad. Do veneers make your gums bad? I don't know. I don't either. I can never see anyone's gums but, once they have veneers. I go, where's your gums? But I do... Exactly. Are your gums underneath there? Or I do think, though, that at least... I mean, I don't know if all veneers, because some people could get better work than others, but I've certainly seen people with... Bless you with the... Bless you with the <laughs> veneers, and then all of a sudden the mouth is get dry yeah it does something to the mouth i will not i just from seeing that i will not they do great ones in england they've got the veneers on lock mm, I wonder they do I'm a naturalistic type of veneer yeah where like if you look at um kate middleton mm-hmm. her teeth were like a little snaggly because you know they're british yeah and then she did a veneer but she kept them she didn't do a chiclet she didn't do like a big chiclet teeth. right she did a smaller like a natural and still looking a little crooked it's cute oh yeah they do them right there 
I wonder why they, I mean. I, I because mean, Americans like, got to have big old chiclet teeth. It's just it awful, on. yeah. But then they're too big and then the mouth gets dry and the lips get dry and everything is, it starts to suck in and pucker up and it's just terrible. Just awful. So Chuck Schum, he's the Senate minority leader mm-hmm. for anyone who cares. Um, and Nance Pelosi, she's the Speaker of the House. She is um, pretty much President Pelosi at this yes. point. Yes, God. President Pelosi. I mean, honey. if you have anyone who doubted her, who said she's too old, we we need new blood in the uh, no no no. And we're looking at you, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Yes, we heard you talking shit on yep. MSNBC, and I was the one, wasn't I, ma'am? I, said, yes. I didn't like that. Yeah. I didn't like that. Yep. She's not even in the house yet, and she's already trying to come for Nancy Pelosi. I'm like, bitch, you better take a- several seats, Alexandria. Yep. And now she's on board. Yes, of course she is. Because you will not deny the pussy power. Talk about big dick energy. Oh my god, she has the biggest dick energy of she everyone on Capitol took Hill. That dick. <laughs> She she took the I feel like she didn't even take the dick out the pants. I feel like she just she's like you, Johnny McGovern. Yeah, she's got a huge dick. Huge. <laughs> she just slapped him right in the face. She just slapped him. Yeah. And then when she was and then it was done slapping across the face, the balls went and did like a backwash. She is fucking. She's a national treasure she and is. she is a mentor. She, she is. is a role model. Yep. We don't have anyone. No. No, we don't. And she is. She truly is. She 100% is. And she has been doing this forever. This has been her life's work. And I cannot, I will not hear of anyone talking shit about Nancy Pelosi. Ever. No. Don't even try it, dudes. Don't even try it. So her and Chuck rolled in. Chuck and Nance. Crying Chuck. As they do. (laughs) Uh And Chuck's got his reading glasses on Mm -hmm. and whatever. And Mm -hmm. they're doing the thing. Basically, Nance does a whole great it's only 12 minutes. I think you guys should watch it. And, uh, you know, talking about, um, I think she's got some pieces in her hair. Her hair is lustrous. It's shiny. She looks amazing. Yeah, she looks great. And the faculties are there. They're the there. synapses are firing. They're firing. The frontal lobe is intact. It's lobing. So, but now we've going to, because the sexist we are, we're only going to hear from Chuck. Because basically at the <laughs> end, they do it like a, a question to answer. Yeah. Sitch. Right. And the reporters are trying to get Nance's attention. Right. Well, they also want her to talk shit. And she's also, in her big dick way, took a big dick out and was like, um, Chuck, you do it. Just do it. You talk. And then they can try and talk to me, but I'm going to, okay. When you're the true alpha, mm-hmm. like the king of the jungle, yes, he doesn't roam around talking shit. Well, you know, exactly. He is the shit. He is or the she. shit. Well, she, or she. Well, she, the queen of the jungle, you know what? The, the lioness is the one who hunts. <laughs> that's right so and she doesn't need to walk around and talk shit she's not regina george she's like um my crown is in place i have nothing so they're trying to get her to talk shit on trump she won't do it no so they have to turn to chuck mm-hmm. who probably had a tear glistening in his eye he's always crying and so he's very emotional he does go there and and we're glad someone did because he did right. have to let everyone know about the big dick energy that is nance motherfucking pillows <laughs> in these negotiations. Do you think the president underestimated the speaker? And do you think that he thought he could get what he wanted? I think he thought no one should ever underestimate the speaker, as Donald Trump has learned. But I also, I, in addition to that, and I think Nancy would be the first, our Democrats stayed totally unified. And certainly in the Senate, they made huge, you know, many attempts 
to take some of our Democrats and get them to side with them. And the unity of our two caucuses really worked because I believe the president himself believed and was told by a couple of his advisors, you've written about them, that, oh, just hold out and we'll get the Democrats to crack and join us. In the Senate, more relevant than the House because they have the majority. He was unable to do that. And I think after three weeks, as the toll mounted and it became clear, we helped make it clear to the president, to the public, that the president was the one in charge of the shutdown, that he just, um, he, he knew that it was a lost cause. Thank you. You want to go? Are you no longer ruling out any money for the wall? Are you now putting out open money for the wall? Have I not been clear on the wall? Okay. No, I have been very clear on the wall. It's called owning. I mean, that, bought yes. and sold. She doesn't even own anymore. She sold it. She sold it. She owned them and then she sold them. Yeah. She's then- like, I owned your ass. Okay. Yes. Owned. Yes. It's so fucking sexy it's just like it, it she is the huntress she, i am woman hear me roar motherfucker i can't take it it's like when i go she has done it all mm-hmm. she did not need to go like guess what everyone i'm running for president no i just am gonna be president yes. i'm already president i'm president because i own the president hey, oh i'm <laughs> president because i own the president that's right and she did own the president and she's gonna continue nacho I know, and does Dumpling keep taking a shit in the litter yeah, box? Yeah, he did take a shit in yeah. the yeah. Okay. Nacho! Everyone so, stop! I mean, like, <laughs> have I not been clear on the litter box? <laughs> I think I've been very clear on the litter box. It's like... And very clear on your whining. I mean, they, they are like the stupid fucking <laughs> reporters who are bugging on with their mundane, menial civilian questions. Yeah, like, what was that question? Just like, do you think that he under... I mean, it was just like, lady... That's the question you want to ask? Come on. I've been clear. I've been clear. The clarity has been had. Get out of my face. Chuck is so done, too. He's like, I'm going to have a meatball sandwich. Yeah, like, really. Yesterday. All It's just you think that Trump is just the, the main problem. But it's like, you know what? Why don't you ask a better question? Why don't you... Let's why don't you you had Nancy Pelosi there. I would like to know I wanna know what the the deal is she's gonna bring to the table. Yes. I wanna know exactly what she's gonna have and offer pre- Donald Trump. I wanna know ask her like what else can we do besides the wall? Ask her anything else, but did he underestimate her? We saw, we know. Why are you trying to stir shit like you're in, uh, doing asking a, a question in a high school yearbook, you fucking asshole? Yeah, they are trying to shit stir, and she was so far above it. It was she's a role model in every sense. I'd love to know what Obama feel, how Obama uh, feels about Nance Pelosi. Yeah. I'd like to know what their relation was like, mm. like where they were at. Mm-hmm. Were they cool? Mm-hmm. Were they like oh like? As in a chilly cool, right. or were they tight cool? Yeah, I wonder. you know. Yeah, I really want to know. Now we're gonna stop talking about the temporary shutdown of the government shutdown <laughs> because it's time for skew. Leave them 
Now it's time for Brandy and I to ride our tiny bicicletta to skew. This is our segment called Time for Skew, where a live person teaches us something. And today we are talking to our <laughs> professor for the day, Dan Savage. Dan Savage is a human juggernaut. He is the host of the mega hit podcast, Savage Lovecast, where he offers thoughtful, good advice on all things sex, relationships, family, and gayness. He's written six fucking books, created a fucking sitcom that was on ABC, and he co-founded the fucking It Gets Better project, which he won a fucking Emmy for. Fuck. That's right. <laughs> He's an advocate, an activist, a pundit, a columnist, a director, a writer, a sex expert, and I'm guessing he's working on a cure for cancer, famine, and turning everyone gay. He's so intelligent and well-read, he can literally weigh in on anything. He's probably the most articulate guest I've ever seen on Bill Maher, and that's no joke. Mm -hmm. The guy's literally savage. His resume is so goddamn intimidating, he's probably going to ask us to remove his name when he finds (laughs) out how dumb this podcast is. (laughs) Well, he's here to make us less dumb, and we're ready to learn. It's going to be a crash course in sex, politics, and sexual politics. So without further ado, let's welcome our professor for the day, Dan Savage, who's going to take our asses to Savage Skier. Hi, Hi, Dan. Dan. Hey, I hope I can live up to that billing. (laughs) Jesus. I did get obsessed with you on Bill Maher. Like your most recent time, I was like, wow, that guy is just giving it. Yeah. I love doing more. Giving it. Yeah, you're like incredible on there in general. So, okay, so right off the bat, I want to get your take on the culture war. So which Trump- one exactly? <laughs> and which vintage? We seem to every couple of years we say the roots of culture war is over, and then two years later, culture war is back. We're thinking like maybe the the current like the social media vintage, perhaps. I'm feeling like um, Trump sucks, but the real problem is like this is just my take: is that the news media is making social media headline news all day, every day, mm-hmm. and it's. It's just like this constant reporting on the constant war that's going on on social media. Yeah. There's some actually some media criticism, some of which is being pushed on Twitter, that the media is distorting Twitter. So many journalists feel like they have to be on Twitter all the time. Uh, and everybody feels like they have to bust out their first takes on Twitter. Uh, and it's contributing to the acceleration of the news cycle, but also the dumbing down of it and the stepping on the rake of it. Uh, yes. There's been a lot of sort of self-criticism. The media is really good at self-criticism, um, but not really good at learning the lessons from all the self-criticism and maybe <laughs> altering course. After the Covington High School douchebagathon yes. in D.C. <laughs> and everyone's initial take being wrong. And then the terrific police in the Atlantic. I can't remember the name of the writer because although I, I'm, I, I read widely, I smoke pot often and forget <laughs> names always. Terrific piece about how, you know, there's probably a mistake out of the gate, but then there's the overcorrection uh, that the media indulges yes. in, uh, particularly where Trump is concerned, because they want to prove that they're not Trump, that they're invested in facts, uh, and if they screw something up, they're going right. to fix it. And so they overfix, they overcorrect. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the current, I don't know if it's a culture war, it's just kind of a trap that social media uh, has become for the media media for reporters for journalists and maybe everybody needs to get the fuck off it yeah is that what you think because we certainly this this the high school kids the catholics that was what really i mean because that twitter account turns out like is fake yeah well russian we, we don't know or whatever or ukrainian or really whatever designed to divide americans and they right. saw this thing and knew it was perfect and helped push it out there i saw it early i retweeted it a lot of people <laughs> right. retweeted. i commented right away out of the gate none of us myself included like i can't get the fuck off twitter yeah i can't uh, literally i think i'm conditioned now like pavlov's dog in the bell i literally can't urinate if i don't have my phone in my hand and i'm not looking at twitter <laughs> yeah. every time i get up and go to the bathroom 
I yeah, well, you need Twitter. it. Well, we can't be alone for one second. We can't be without other people's thoughts for one second. We can't. It's like this constant circle jerk that everyone is. All those dopamine hits. Yeah. Oh. And uh, I, people keep talking about the end of net neutrality. They ended net neutrality, and what we were promised when we were debating it and trying to block ending net neutrality was that if we ended net neutrality, it would destroy the internet as we know it. And now that we've ended net neutrality, I'm like. Good. Yeah. Destroy the fucking internet <laughs> exactly. as we know it because it fucking sucks, but nothing's changed. Yeah. The end of the internet as we know it, as we were promised or threatened with. When yeah. We <laughs> I'm happy that you are with us because I was like scared. You know, you never know people. You're, you're a writer and you and it helps everyone. I mean, we stopped our Julie had a Facebook with like a, a lot of followers, but we stopped it this year. <laughs> One million followers. Yeah, exactly. And it was well worth it. Yes. So we stopped it. And... My husband finally got off Facebook. Which I was happy for. I, I have a Facebook that's like a professional Facebook for like putting yes. out my shit into the world. Right. I don't know the password. I've never visited it. <laughs> I've never been on Facebook. But I would watch my husband on Facebook for years. And he finally got off it this year. Thank God. Me too. I literally feel like um, a disease was cut out. Yeah. Like, I, I'm still on Instagram, which I know is owned by Facebook. Yes. Well, we are I too. chat with friends in Europe on WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook. Yes. Um, my problem is uh, that I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> you know, uh, John so Johnson wrote that book, um, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. It's a terrific yes. book about how people, not just how people have been dragged on the internet, but it really talks to the rest of us, those of us who may have not have been dragged, but participated in certain mobs. And there's a great line in that book that I felt indicted by. I really felt implicated. It really <sighs> struck me when I was reading, which was the snowflake does not feel responsible for the avalanche. And there were times when I looked back and went, okay, I was a snowflake in an avalanche and I buried people. And I felt bad about that. And then reading that book totally changed the way I functioned mm. on Twitter. I didn't participate in pylons. I was reluctant and slow to retweet until this Covington Catholic High School <laughs> thing happened. In part because I know the faces of those boys. Yeah. Oh, gave went, me, triggered me, honey. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I went to an all boy Catholic high school. I have seen that face. I have seen that person smiling in your face, standing inches away right in front of you because they want you to push past them so that you touch them first so they can beat the shit out of you. Like, I have been, I have looked into that 15-year-old fucking douchebag yeah. face <laughs> yep. or a face that looked very similar to it and I was twiggered and I helped, I helped push it out there. I think that those kids were doing a shitty thing. I think the, like, lionization of them or the ascension into the... To right-wing martyrdom that they're enjoying mm-hmm. right now is uh, bullshit. It's mm-hmm. the overcorrection, like you talked about. But that's also because of the news. Like, if you're on social media and you're like, "These kids are gross," like completely <laughs> freaking gross, then that's fine. But like, when the news has them every day on yes. the cover of Yahoo, on CNN, now you're making that news, and that is why Trump then called them, and they've become these martyrs. Right. It's one thing to get dragged on the internet. They're going to the White House. Yes. yes. The kid in Parkland High School who put himself in front of yeah. the door to protect his classmates, who took five fucking bullets, Love and then that got guy. Online, online and raised a quarter of a million dollars to help pay for other people's recoveries from their injuries, doesn't get an invite to the White House. Black kid, by the way, yes. doesn't get an invite to the White House. These fucking red-capped loon... Asshole, rapey, fuck yeah. faces, fuck At them, the I hate them. Uh, the March on Life. The piece I keep citing, I, I actually literally just got out my phone and opened Twitter because <laughs> I retweeted this piece about the Covington High School shitstorm. Adam Sewer uh, wrote the piece uh, at The Atlantic that everybody should go read. The Trump era overcorrection is what it's called. Oh, okay. We 
recently we're we're on this thing of like the culture war and the and the fighting and because we last week we talked to a gay republican a log cabin republican on purpose <laughs> we almost felt like we had failed because we yeah. didn't um come for him enough or fight with him enough and it was kind of a crappy feeling just because but they want to become for. That's what the whole gay Republican thing is about. That's why you get the Milo Yiannopoulos and that, that his friend, that douchebag in New York. They claim they, they, they claim to have these conservative sort of positions. It's always about fiscal conservatism, which I'm sorry. <laughs> if you look at the last 40 years and you're a fiscal conservative, you have to be a Democrat. Because Republicans blow up deficits and spend money they don't have, and Democrats come in and clean it fucking up. Right. And so if you're a fiscal conservative and a social liberal, why are you embracing the Republican Party? Because you're a troll. You were a troll before anybody knew how to say the word troll. <laughs> and what you want is negative attention. Like half these most of the gay Republicans that I've had the misfortune of interacting with, not the same thing as a gay conservative. Andrew Sullivan is an old friend of mine. He's a conservative. But like the go proud guys, the log cab log cabin douchebags, the Milos, <laughs> that dude in New York, his name I can't even Yeah, what are you thinking of? They swan around bragging about how, you know, other gay men won't sleep with them. And they got yelled at in a gay bar. They got da 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 da. And that's what they're in it for. So you kind of play into their trap when you like come for them, when you blow up at a gay Republican, because they want that negative attention. That's what they want. So my tack is not to talk to them. It definitely seems like he. He wasn't um, averse to having. No, he was. What was what, having the, an argument? Well, that was too, the other thing too. Yeah, I felt we were in his place of work, and because I'm easily baited. I'm very, I'll get in a fight with anyone and I couldn't like, I was just trying to be open and trying to, it just couldn't, I couldn't do yeah. it. No, good, good. You, you know what I mean? Because that's what he wanted. Some part right. of your subconscious was saying, don't tickle his prostate. This is what he wants. He wants <laughs> I did not want to do that. He wants a sensible queer person to get mad at him because he, what he wants is your anger because it right. arouses him, if not sexually, hmm. on some level. Like, that's what they want. They want to piss you off. They want to, like, re they want revenge. You know, that's we, interesting. I, I wrote this post about Go Proud. Remember Go Proud? They were the GOP to the right of the log cabin. No. Dicks like six years ago. Go Proud. Go Proud. And they were like right-wing trolls. Grinnell, the current ambassador to Germany is one of the Go Proud boys Ew. who ascended into the Trump administration, <laughs> Trump ambassadorship. And I, I wrote this piece uh, saying, you know, uh, comparing them to meth addicts, um, <laughs> which they didn't appreciate, but I stand by 100%. We've all seen the people with internalized homophobia who destroy themselves, who drink themselves to death, who mm -hmm. fuck themselves to death, who use abuse drugs, not just occasionally use drugs, and are just so self-destructive and so self-loathing. What we have to learn to recognize and be on our guard for and cut out of our lives are the people with externalized homophobia. And what they're doing is destroying other gay people. It's the self-hatred that some people turn inside themselves, the Grinnells of the world, the Yiannopoulos of the world, they turn it out and they want to destroy other gay people. When we see externalized homophobia, particularly when it's funneled through politics or ideology or identity, we're like, well, I guess I need to be tolerant and fair and give this a listen. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's the guy with the, the needle in his arm who can't be helped. Where do you think religion... We definitely got the feeling that he... That yeah, that he that he hated himself. You know, yes, that, that and that there was of being gay and yeah, and know, had a lot of a lot, a lot of, of problems with that. The excesses of gay culture, like a lot of gay Republicans or gay conservatives, will start going off about oh, but, like all the gay sex. Yeah, and they're titillated by it, but offended by it at the same time. Right. Where do you think religion falls into all of it? 
Religion falls into everything uh, about human culture, and it rarely is a net positive. Like people are like, oh, but there's food banks and soup kitchens. Well, <laughs> one of the reasons there's poverty and economic inequality is because religion allows itself to marry to the power structure, and it gets used to make an argument to impoverish people and to otherize people, and then not feel guilty about impoverishing them or starving them. So fuck religion. That's what I think about religion. <laughs> yeah, and you, th- I feel. Do you feel like the internalized homophobia? Does it start there, or is that just one? You learn to hate yourself somewhere, but in fairness to the culture, uh, religion, humans, parents, uh, I do think there's some hardwiring in sex phobia that then gets funneled into homophobia for a lot of queer people because of our extended childhood. It's like you're a fully grown, mature, sexually active cow at like 11 months. It takes you know, years until you hit puberty, until you get there. And you're fully aware at like seven, eight, nine, ten, what sex is, what sex does, what sex is for, and what fools people make of themselves in pursuit of it. You see all that. You're like six years old. Where do babies come from? They tell you and you're like, oh my God, that's disgusting. And I'm never going to do that. You mean you did that, mom? You did that, dad? Yuck, you're gross. Oh, some people do that not even to make babies, just for fun. Ew, yuck, gross. There's this point in our young lives where like, offended and disgusted by sex and most people have this reaction when they're little that that is gross and they're never going to do that i mean people touch each other's (laughs) and then you hit puberty and you're like holy shit you get dragged into this thing that you never wanted to be a part of (laughs) by the gonads against your will and i do think that there's something to our extended adolescence you know extended childhood and our culture that induces a kind of sex panic when puberty comes for us it's because it's like the monster comes uh, and, and drags you off too, uh, and you are assimilated, or you know, it's invasion of the body snatchers, and this thing that when before you hit puberty, before you really started to experience <clears throat> desire in, in a really powerful way, you thought you were in control of it, and you thought you could put it outside and say no to it, and you can't, because the lie we tell kids is that one day they will grow up and have sex, when the reality is one day you will grow up and sex will have you. <laughs> And that powerlessness, I mean, we're queer, like that feeling of powerlessness, like this can't be happening to me. Do you think that um, people who are homophobic, for the most part, I mean, we can't, you know, but what what is their, what do you think, I mean, we have our idea about it, but what do you think their fear really is? How many times we have to watch, there's been two this week, two high profile preachers who were outed as gay sex havers, not gay identified men. One says it wasn't gay sex because the guy didn't ejaculate. Which, if it's not sex, if you don't make the other people come, there's millions of straight women who've never had sex. <laughs> <laughs> like, how many times do we have to watch this play out where the, the person with... Yeah, they're, you're gay. They're gay. You're they're, homophobic because <laughs> you're gay, bitch. Those motherfuckers are externalizing yeah. an internal conflict. I mean, at this point, every single person who isn't into anybody who's not just cool, I'm just going to yeah. think, like, you're gay. And yeah. we should promote that. You're gay. We should promote uh, among young people this attitude that if you have a problem with gayness, you're gay. You're gay. (laughs) Because even then, the ones who do have a problem with it will cover for it. Instead of pretending to hate gay people when they actually don't, they'll pretend to like us when they maybe do or are uncomfortable (laughs) with us because they don't want to be perceived as gay. Right. So there's a little kernel of homophobia, weaponizing Mm -hmm, homophobia mm -hmm. against homophobia Mm -hmm. in that strategy, but we should totally do it. Yeah. We, do I do like it often. People? Yeah, just like Ted Haggard didn't like gay people, just like George Reekers didn't like gay people. Mike Pence. Just like Mike <laughs> Pence doesn't like gay people. Okay. Peter LaBarbera, I challenge him. He's a <laughs> notorious online homophobe. He runs uh, Stop Homosexuality International. He's been having a really good millennia. Do you see a lot of politicians that you think are in the closet? <laughs> and does that bother you? All politicians are in the closet about something. Yeah. <laughs> um, does it 
bother me. Well, Obama was in the closet about supporting gay marriage. Obama went from supporting gay marriage to not supporting gay marriage to supporting gay marriage. Nobody does that. Like, that's a one-way step <laughs> from I don't think gay people should be married to I think marriage yeah. equality is for everybody. Uh, or, you know, marriage is for everybody. And he pretended not to support marriage equality. We pretended to believe him. We fought him, encouraged him to evolve already. And then he came around. He did this very kind of public performance of right. coming around to support. And it was actually very beneficial to us, even though at the time it was a little maddening for many of us. Like, Me too. I yelled at him. Um, and so are there things politicians are in the closet about? Are there closeted gay politicians out there? Definitely there are closeted gay politicians about there. I want to know why they're in the closet in the same way, like, it, it's not always a bad thing if somebody in the political space couches uh, or or performs yeah. a kind of discomfort, if, as long as it's a public performance that's ultimately going to benefit us in the end. Yeah. But I don't know. But why are they in the closet? I don't think... It doesn't really bother me. But I do think everyone needs to come out. No, I don't think everyone needs to come out. This is what I've said that sometimes pisses people off. <laughs> the one thing I've ever said that sometimes, <laughs> once in a while, might piss somebody off... If you are an adult and you can come out, recognizing that there are people who can't be out because they're trapped, they, they're in Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. they're, I don't think you know you won't get your inheritance if you come out as a trap. That's a choice. <laughs> um, but there are people who are in such dire circumstances they may not ever be able to come out. Um, and my heart goes out to those people. They're trapped. And often young people are in that trap. They're 15 years old. They're very dependent. They know they're gay. They can't come out. They shouldn't be told that they're doing something wrong by waiting. They're at Covington High School. They're at Covington High School. Maybe you wait. <laughs> Um, but if you're in a position where you can be out and you aren't out, you you don't have to come out. I'm not going to tell you you have to come out. I am going to tell you, you have, that that is a moral failure and you have to own it and take responsibility for it. If you're in a position to be out and you are not out, you are part of the problem, admit it and don't play the victim. Like, honestly, assess your life. If you're not out because... There's a gun to your head because you live in Saudi Arabia, because you get your head cut off, because you're an Iranian queer person, um, because you're a Syrian refugee, and, like whatever, because you're 15 years old and a coming in high school. I empathize. If you're not out because you're afraid of telling mom, fuck you. <laughs> well, like what about politicians? Like let's say, let, let, let's say, Lindsay let's say Lindsey Graham. <laughs> now, we don't know. We're theorizing. And but, I'm not mad at him. I love him. And we love her. We think she... <laughs> She is fierce. <laughs> she has her opinion. Um, she's hilarious. But we uh, kind isn't of... is homophobic to say she? And Ms. I'm sure there's some people who think it's trans. I know yeah. they do, and I don't care. But it's affectionate. So, like, in gay world, that like was a way of saying affection. Yeah. That's it, right. And what the young kids who that's freak right. out about that don't remember, have no sense memory of, and I'll just toss this out there as now an increasingly elderly faggot, is <laughs> a lot of... There's, centuries where gay people referred to each other by the wrong pronouns so that they didn't get caught and killed. So if I was talking about my boyfriend with somebody else who knew me to be gay, I would refer to her my girl, and yeah. she mm, yeah. and my girlfriend right. so that other people in our office, somebody else on the street. I love that. Cop, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's I great. didn't know that. It was a survival mechanism, not just camp. Right. Well, with Lindsay, we we feel like she's gay. And we don't know for sure. And I, we don't see that as an insult, obviously. We think like. It's almost more endearing. Yeah. Like we like wa listen to her <laughs> and are like. Yeah. And I mean, he's gay, but nobody's gotten around to fucking some sense into that man. No. <laughs> he seems like a virgin. But he benefits from the deal the culture used to make for gay people. Like we know there are gay people out there. Never say it. 
never tell us, never be out, mm-hmm. always say you're straight if asked, and then you can be as gay as a goose, which is what Lindsay is. Yes, I, that's what it is, I guess. He's you one of those li- Southerners. People didn't think Liberace was right. gay. Right, or My Barry Manilow. were the generation that didn't think Liberace was gay. Mm-hmm. Because to think someone was gay was to think the worst thing you could possibly think of them. So you didn't think that because yeah. that made you a bad person. Uh-huh. Which is why they didn't think I was gay either. <laughs> I know, yeah. my mom didn't know Barry Manilow was gay. Right, right. yeah. <laughs> and certainly with someone like like Lindsey Graham, who's giving you like the whole sh- the whole kit and caboodle. He's giving you the whole show. You should be a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, so, okay, so let's talk about trigger words and safe okay. spaces. So you, you must have to <laughs> be pretty conscious of that with your podcast and advice. And you seem... You seem really like um, open and thoughtful. We are disgusting. Not. Yeah. We are disgusting. Yeah. Do you get in trouble? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, we do. We I do. mean, and we're, but we are. We have we, changed a lot. We've grown a lot. We have grown, yes. <laughs> and we do try. I mean, and we're trying. And... But the problem, I'm right there with you. I haven't always um, thought the right things, known everything, not clairvoyant. Um, exactly. And what's weird is, you know, Twitter and the Internet basically boils down to a lot of the queer left to fuck you. Listen, do better. And you're like, oh, listen, OK, now I'm doing better. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. And they're still throwing in your face what you said 15 years ago. That's before right. Or you knew better. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people throwing that shit in your face before you knew better from 15 years ago are 15 years old themselves. <laughs> they didn't know shit 15 years right. ago. And that process is really maddening. It is maddening. And I do feel an ownership to things like she and her, like saying like she's fe- like about Lindsey Graham, like saying her because of the, because of the history that we have and the history that I have a right to embrace and to celebrate. Uh, and I, I feel that way 100 percent. So it's hard because then when you get like you the get scolds. into the scolding and the triggering and I'm triggered by this and you know this and you don't know this and the shame, 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 shame. And it's like. I can't, and then I end up feeling rebellious and like, I don't fucking even want to listen to you now. Yeah, and so I don't. I try not to listen to them. The problem (laughs) is they get in your head and then you begin to like filter everything that's coming out of your mouth or process it before it comes out of your mouth to make sure somebody's not going to misconstrue it. Right. Yeah. Or try to hang it around your neck. And uh, I think people need to get past that because there's always going to be 10 people mad at you on Twitter, Mm -hmm. but it it gets into your head. Like you see 10 people yelling at you on Twitter and you think Twitter's mad at you or you think all queer people are mad at you. Right. Julie wants to talk to you about um, how men can be less rapey. Oh, yeah. I mean, because <laughs> we are, I watched it. You said it on Bill Maher. I'm not pulling it out of the blue. But I liked that you said that because it's something we've talked about a lot, which is if men or boys are re-educated from an early age, they can possibly... You know, societally, culturally, educationally, maybe not be um, soups rapey. Yeah, like people, men are socialized to feel entitled to women's bodies and, and, yeah. and women's attention. That's why there's, and it's not all men. No, but enough of them are poisoned by it and are feel so entitled and mix in male violence and aggression, and it's just explosive and toxic and dangerous. There's so many examples that you can find in, in an instant on the internet. Uh, of women who <clears throat> politely declined some dude's attention at a bus stop on a subway and were murdered mm. and were at, were physically attacked and many in, in many examples murdered and what do you do about that even just the i mean i also think that the even the most gentle of every single woman has had to suck a dick in order to get out of not i mean you know get what i mean to, to to get out of a room that's not that sh- that to me is I know it's nor it's normal, I and I keep a thinking from a woman who said that she was cornered in a hotel room 
um, at the beginning of the relationship, she's now cornered by someone else before they made a commitment, before they were exclusive, and she had unprotected sex with that person to get out of the room. <laughs> so she agreed to sex but didn't consent to it freely. She agreed to it under yeah, threat. Yeah, coerced consent. And she's Coy- afraid to yeah. tell the person, the man she's with now, because she knows he'll break up with her oh, if sucks. she had unprotected sex with somebody else oh. while they were together. Mm. And I, my, you know, I, like I said, if he didn't understand why you might, why a woman would consent to sex, not even consent to it, agree to it. We have to make a distinction between, you know, consent, which implies enthusiasm, right, and, and willingness, and like agreeing to something. You might agree to something under. We call t- it coerced consent. Coerced consent. <laughs> and if the dude you're with doesn't understand why you, as a woman could find yourself in that situation that dude doesn't deserve pussy you don't deserve that you don't deserve what you can't fucking understand yeah that's true that's true do you think the culture of misogyny and sexism and homophobia like in washington is going to die out with this generation or is there something that can be done besides just high school video (laughs) no private Christian schools that we all subsidize. The the people who are going to be kicking us in the face in 20 years right now we're helping to pay for their educations in these madrasas, these Mormon madrasas and Catholic madrasas and, and uh, evangelical fucking shit school madrasas all over this country and we subsidize their educations and then they are going to be standing on our throats in 30 years when they're in the Senate. Do you think we will see a gay president, out gay president in our lifetime? I think we'll see. It'll be like McGreevy in New Jersey. The first out gay governor was governor, and then he came out uh, because of a sex scandal. I think that that's how we'll get an out gay president for the first time. I'll take it. Where yeah. somebody will be president, <laughs> there'll be a scandal, or he'll come out while in office. Okay, if you could change, magically change like one law, one piece of legislation, what would it be? I think the ERA should have passed in the 70s, the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, but I also want to like throw in there, I wish we had a big and powerful labor movement. Labor is capital. And, and people who invest money, that kind of capital, are allowed to band together as shareholders and basically order companies around. And people who work, yes. who invest their time, that's a, that's a form of capital. And they should be able to band together. And Republicans, with the uh, unfortunately and embarrassingly, uh, the cooperation of many Democrats or the enthusiastic cooperation of many Democrats uh, dismantled the labor union in this country, which is economic inequality, uh, the fact that we don't have uh, decent health care in this country, uh, people's inability to fucking pay their bills and, you know, the homelessness, all of it. Like so many of our socialists tie back to the collapse of the labor movement. And so I'm torn between passing the ERA and wanting to have uh, a labor movement that's big and powerful and strong. Um, but less racist and sexist than the labor movement was in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. You can have both. Can I have both? Yeah. Yes. Since okay. that, was, that was already more informative than two years doing this podcast. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Okay, and so lastly, who do you want to see in 2020? Do you know? Um, I promise, and I think everybody should promise, to support the Democratic nominee, whoever she is, <laughs> period, uh, even if it's a dude. Um, exactly. Know, don't get dragged into uh, Bernie, Bernie v. Hillary Sandy, or uh, Bernie v. Hillary 2.0. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who are sex workers who really have a problem with Kamala Harris uh, because of her record on sex workers' rights. It's terrible. Her mm. record on a lot of justice issues are terrible. It was good seeing Maddow last night really take her to task on it. Um, but if she gets the nominee, I am writing her a check. 
fact. Yeah. And I am voting for her, even if my sex worker pals are mad at me, and I'm going to ask my sex worker pals to do the same. Have to. <laughs> and anybody who throws that in my face, like, I wrote Barack Obama a $5,000 check and voted for him in 2008, even though he got on television and said, not just that he opposed gay marriage, but that he thought uh, when a man and a woman married, God was present. And mm. the implication was, if a dude and a dude marries... We know who's present. Who's present? Mm-hmm. Rip Taylor? Probably Who another the fuck dude. Was he talking <laughs> about? Yeah. yeah. Lindsey Graham's present. Lindsey Graham. <laughs> I was then and still a big advocate for marriage equality. We were really in the trenches fighting for it then. We were coming off 2004, which was really painful for everyone in the marriage equality movement because of the 11 anti-gay marriage amendments that passed and helped reelect George W. Bush and have the Democratic nominee four years later saying that when a man marries a man, the devil's there. And I wrote that motherfucker a check. You can support Kamala Harris if it's Kamala Harris, even if you hated her position on X, Y, or Z. You hated yeah. Barack Obama's position on marriage equality, which was hugely important to me personally and politically. And I wrote that motherfucker a check and voted for him. Well, I want you to know before you go that we did an It Gets Better video, and now we have reinvented it for It Gets Beto. <laughs> so I'm hoping I'm hoping Be- Beto takes that on when he mm-hmm. when he announces because we've been saying it since since the midterms. Yeah. It gets better. Yeah, gets better. For Beto O'Rourke and for Kamala Harris, the only thing where I'm going to be prescriptive: no Hillary, no Joe Biden, no, no John Kerry. There was talk of that for five. Oh minutes. my God, no Bernie. I don't want no. any old white people. No, I'll, Agreed. I'll take a middle-aged white person, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but also not an all-white ticket ever again. The Dems can't have an all-Caucasian ticket. Yeah. No. Uh, that list is perfect. That's why you're savage. Yeah. That's why you're here. That's right. Completely, that was perfect, right? That, yeah, I mean, that was perfect. Exactly. Thank you, said you it all. so much. Do you My want pleasure. to tell our 14 listeners where to find you? <laughs> uh, if you go to savagelovecast.com, you can find the Savage Lovecast. Uh, I'm bad at self-promotion, so you have to go to thestranger.com to find Savage Love, my column. You have to go to slog.thestranger.com to find the Savage Love letter of the day, which is buried in the stranger's <laughs> blog. Uh, and uh, I'm on Twitter at fake Dan Savage. Oh, good one. I'm still on Twitter. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Now it's time for So There's That. All right, so this is the part of the show where Julie has to find a so there's that moment that's happening because of or in spite of the hideous political climate in America right now. Per usual, we are overworked and underpaid this week more than ever. <laughs> and I'm just curious to see what this bitch has pulled out of her ass. So tell us, <laughs> Meow Meow, what is your so there's that moment for the week? I'll keep it short. Good. So <laughs> um, it was hard to find. It was very hard to find. I... um. In this, uh, with the shutdown, people have been, you know, not being paid. It's been really depressing. There really hasn't been anything policy-wise or anything that's jumped up to us that's been like, what are what good things are people doing? Like, what, you know, like, what what could I possibly feel good about? So I'm, I'm reading, I'm trying, going story after story after story. So I finally found something that made me feel... Uh, irritated but also inspired okay 
And especially after today, we had a conversation today with a friend of yours who, when we, we talked about healthcare, and in the healthcare, she um, expressed her lament for the fact that when she, during Obama, she ended up having to pay more for her healthcare. But then with Trump, she ended up having, um, her premiums were leveled off. So she didn't have to go up and up and up. And she actually felt pretty good about it. Now, the, the reality of healthcare currently right now is that some people have it, some people don't, a lot of people don't. Most people don't. Most people don't. <laughs> uh-huh. Most people have lost their health insurance and cannot afford their health insurance. And um, when you, as we know, when you don't have health insurance, you fucked. And I read this story and I felt like, wow. So there's an Indian, in an Indiana school district, there's a superintendent. The superintendent is this woman who... Um, her name is Casey Smitherman, which I think is a funny last name. That is a funny. Two, two last names. Yeah, they combined last names there. Right. Smitherman. So um, she was arrested and charged with fraud. Okay. What was she charged with? Basically, she was charged with, and it is a true, and it is true what she did. She saw a kid in her, in, in her school who was who was sick, and then the kid didn't show up at school. And she got worried about the kid, and well, why wasn't the kid at school? She went to find out that the kid was sick at home, and he didn't he didn't have health insurance. The family didn't have health insurance, so she took the kid to the hospital, and she pretended it was her son, so that he could have health insurance and get treated. Now this is a crime, and uh, is it kidnapping? It's or? fraud. Okay, it's fraud. It's insurance uh, yeah. fraud. It's like when gay people or people get married yeah. for health insurance. Yeah, it's fraud. So, but this is blatant fraud because she pretended he was her son. He's not her son. Whatever. He doesn't have health insurance. She gave him her health insurance. Blah blah blah. So she got caught. She got arrested and she got charged. And I just was like. I think it's fucking amazing that she did that. I think it's fucking awesome. She's a superintendent of the school system. She went in knowing it was illegal, knowing she could get caught. She took that kid in. She took care of him. She put herself. She was. She t- didn't think of her own self. It was a selfless thing to do. She's kind of dumb, though. How can you be a superintendent of a school and then be like, here's my son, Tommy. And they're like, ma'am, I'm looking at your your insurance <laughs> forms here. I don't remember you ever having a son. Yeah, it's like they're I mean, going to see that you don't have a child. I mean, and also I find it annoying just because it's like, of course she got in trouble. Well, it's yes, like exactly. The homeless guy pulled his dick out and put it up against my window when right. I was at the Chevron. He's fine. He doesn't get in trouble because he has no home for them to mail a ticket to. That's but right. I get in trouble just because I'm changing the song on my stupid fucking iPod and they think it's a phone 20 years ago when I used an iPod. 77,000 people who worked for Donald Trump are not going to jail. Like and this bit. So, I mean, yes. I'm just saying. Yes. And including Donald Trump and Jared Kushner and every however <laughs> yeah talk about fraud I mean you want to talk about fraud right now the and I think it's cool because I think she knew going into it she let's say let's say in my in my mind and in my thinking she knows she's going to get caught and she wants to get caught so she can be sort of like have this be put out there I that, think you're right because no one's that dumb right that I'm going to get caught, but I'm going to get to say to the world or to this country, this kid didn't have health insurance. No one was going to take care of him. Clearly, the system isn't working. She martyred so I, herself. And yes, I guess right? she, she did. She did. She did. Whether she wanted the attention for that or not, whatever, she still helped this kid. And she is a superintendent. She put everything on the line. She risked her job. She risked her family and, and, and all of her shit. And um, I thought it was cool. And the school 
sent out a statement and they said, Dr. Smitherman has tirelessly worked for the best interest of all students in Elmwood Community Schools since she was hired. She made an unfortunate mistake, but we understand that it was out of concern for this child's welfare. We know she understands what she did wrong, but she continues to have our support. So they, they, they That's didn't fire great. her. And I she kept that. her job. I love that. So... I just um, wanted to say I think that's great. Elmwood Community School System, you stood by your superintendent. You stood by someone who, for all count, uh, intents and purposes, did something illegal. But you know in your heart what she did was right. So there's that. So that's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Politics. Thank you guys for listening. We love you all so much, and we really are very grateful for all 14 of you. Yes, and if you haven't already, please sign up for our Patreon podcast at www.patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics. It's only $1 for a whole extra hour podcast a week. That is major, okay? Lots of podcasts have Patreon podcasts, but very few give you an extra hour podcast per week. And when we get to 2,000 patrons, we're going to do two hour long podcasts per week at the same low price of one fucking dollar. And I'm getting a piano. That's right. Um, now, we've maxed out our 14 listeners, so I don't know how the fuck we're ever <laughs> going to get to 2,000 Patreons. Yeah, well. But that's the goal, girl. That, that's mm-hmm, the goal. That is the goal. And if you want to see us live, we have a show in Austin on February 16th at the Spider House Cafe. All the information is available on our website, but the tickets are almost sold out. So if you're thinking of going, um, get on there and get your tickets because we can always move it to a bigger room, but we will not be able to make that call at the last minute. That's right. And we have Leah Black, just reminding you guys from the Real Housewives of Miami, Ronnie Karam from Watch What Crappens, and Reed Umstadt from The Voice. He's singing Sweet Transvestite. The show is going to be fucking epic mm-hmm. and will be available all will be available for meetings and greetings <laughs> oh. at the end. Devin Vrana's going, Amber, Kiki, and Yvette are going. Traveling to see live podcasts is the new <laughs> tiny hat. And let's and everyone who um, talks to each other on the Patreon or whatever are going to get to meet each other. That's right. It's cool. Well, it really is just going to be great. Like, fuck concerts. It's all about podcasts now. It really is. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. And savage. How'd you do, I? See, you've met my faithful hand in hand. He's just a little broad dime because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Let me show you a rhyme and maybe play you a sign. You look like you're both pretty groovy. Or if you want something visual that's not too abysmal, we could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. 
I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat world. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Why don't you stay for the night? Right. Or maybe a bite. Right. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan. And he's good for relieving my tension. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. So, come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. But maybe the race is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> But not the symptom. 